welcome back to the Rural Roundup, hosted by me, Kerry Hammond. This show is produced in association with the Scottish Government. On today's episode, George and Robert are joined by Professor Stephen Thompson from SRUC's Rural Policy Centre to shine a spotlight on what's happening currently with rural and agricultural policy. So in the time I've been off, there's been quite a bit of change in the policy world, or certainly a bit of movement in the policy world, which is great to see. And we're really glad to be joined by Stevie Thompson today for a bit of an insight into what that bill holds. So hello to you, Stephen. I think it's an enabling piece of legislation and it's a required piece of legislation. And I think that's often forgotten, is that uh, the Scottish government must have the powers uh, to enable them to make payments to uh, adjust schemes to introduce schemes um, so so this is a, a a necessary evil shall we say in that um, the detail isn't in this piece of legislation it will come in a further piece of legislation so when a farmer sits down and thinks well let's see what schemes are in the agricultural bill they might be disappointed because the the detail isn't there however what's in there are things like uh, the purposes of agricultural support going forward. So um, supporting sustainable and regenerative agricultural practices is one of them. The second one is production of high quality food. And the third one is facilitating on-farm nature restoration, climate mitigation and adaptation. And the fourth one is uh, enabling rural communities to thrive. So within that, there is a very, very strong commitment to agriculture. So agriculture or food production is named in in three out of four of those objectives. So, so, you know, there are things in there that you can see the direction of travel is positive for the industry. Behind that, there are, there are various uh, commitments that even I was unaware of in, in terms of the, the government have now uh, put in the bill, a requirement for ministers to lay before parliament a rural support plan every five years and that will detail what the current objectives are uh, and how they're going to deliver against those objectives uh, and that that that's probably something that i certainly didn't uh, anticipate uh, but i fully welcome because i was i've been i've been doing a piece of work looking at the the eu uh, and the, the 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 evolution of the cap and all member states have to do what they call a cap strategic plan now, where they basically have to detail what their, the money is going to buy for the government, what their objectives are, how they're going to deliver it. So, so it is really useful that Scottish government have actually uh, adopted a similar similar type of approach. The next element is um, is is including the the ability to intervene in agricultural markets. Um, so that's currently uh, we, we we have under the auspices of the the common agricultural policy, we had um, opportunity to intervene when there was exceptional market circumstances. That's a necessary uh, provision of a bill. Um, if we have things like the 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 pig industry went through a terrible situation a couple of years ago, if we don't have that provision in that that bill then the government wouldn't be able to intervene. So, so those are the kind of things that are in there. There are things about what type of agriculture's included. So there's lists of, of activities. Uh, there's, there's elements of uh, whether or not uh, about entitlements, 
uh, about agricultural activity, etc. And then the, the other one that probably is worth highlighting is that the government have a commitment in the bill to prepare a code of sustainable and regenerative agriculture. So in essence, a new code of practice uh, that will help people understand this term regenerative agriculture. Uh, what are the best practices to in or, in order for them to deliver it? Uh, I don't really I don't know what the 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 legal basis of it will be. I.e., uh, if you don't follow it, um, you, you're in breach of the breach of the the rules, uh, etc. But it will it will be really useful for people to better understand what is meant by this term, uh, regenerative uh, agriculture. And then there's a whole series of provisions about uh, enabling the government to. Uh, implement, continue to use the CAP support mechanisms that we've currently got in place, amend them. Uh, so we already know that there's a calving interval condition coming down the line on the voluntary coupled support for beef. Um, we also know that there's proposals for a new cross-compliance measure uh, on, on maintaining uh, peatlands and wetlands. And, and this bill will give the government the powers uh, to bring those elements in to make those amendments, uh, they already can make some amendments, but they're they've got to be on simplification, uh, simplification basically, or 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 significant improvements. This bill gives them much more flexibility to make change. I could go on and on and on, but uh, probably better throw some some of this back to you and let you ask some questions. So, Stephen, this bill is what stage is it at in parliament at the moment so obviously it goes to vote and it goes to committee and things but where, where are we actually at in the process with it so it was only laid before parliament a couple of weeks ago uh, I, I can't remember the actual date beginning end, end of end of september beginning of october so uh, it's not even at the stage where they they're taking evidence so it will be it will go to the the rural affairs and islands committee uh, without a shadow of a doubt, and they will start scrutinising the bill and they will call for evidence. Um, so there is an opportunity for everybody out there to get engaged, uh, go through the bill uh, and see what it's about and actually uh, try and work out why it's needed and, and, and what, what their concerns maybe are about it. Um, uh, on my first reading and reading through the policy memorandum and the financial memorandum, that go alongside the bill. Um, I, I just I understand why it's there and why we need it, and um, I, I I think it should be relatively straightforward. Um, well, I say relatively straightforward. Nothing straightforward when it's going through Parliament. Um, uh, but, but it's whether or not Parliament 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 will accept a framework type bill uh, because it doesn't give that guarantee about all the different schemes that farmers and land managers are familiar with i think when you look at all the stuff this is trying to achieve there's no way this could have been straightforward you know if, if it had been straightforward it'd been far too blunt um indeed uh, i mean this is this this piece of legislation right we just have to remember it is the framework it sets the framework for future legislation uh, and secondary legislation. So the secondary legislation that will come after this bill is where you will get the scheme details. So it'll be uh, it'll it'll be where um, the tiered support mechanisms actually sit. So it'll it it 
the secondary legislation will have details of whether or not we've got capital support payments, what the future of LFA support might look like, uh, and all of the conditional measures within base and uh, and elect uh, and enhanced that's tier one and tier two uh, in the consultation speak. So that detail cannot be here. They have to have the powers to put that in place first. Uh, so it is a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Uh, and actually, uh, you, we have to give credit to the Scottish government for getting this piece of legislation in situ uh, that can now enable us to move forward and actually adapt the existing schemes uh, with a bit more bite, perhaps, than, than they, they, they can with the existing 2020 legislation. This is definitely a crystal ball question and I always hate when I get a crystal ball question, but when do you think this, all things going well, when do you think this bill will go through? Uh, I wouldn't imagine it'll be till, I, I would imagine midpoint next year, I would have thought. I mean, bills don't take, you know, primary bills such as this don't rush through Parliament. Um if there's anything contentious or committee find anything contentious in it, uh, these can really stall and slow things down. But um, I would imagine the Scottish Government would want this in situ for 2024 so that they can start actually um, worrying about getting the secondary legislation written up. Because the, the secondary leg legislation might actually, whilst there's shorter time frames and there, there's... Um, the, the, the Parliament have got um, short timeframes. You know, they do have very short timeframes in some situations to respond. Um, they might, it might be more contentious, actually, to get down to the nitty-gritty of the detail, whereas actually the legislative framework, the major principles, the objectives of the legislation that are in this bill, um, well... It, it, it's motherhood, motherhood and apple a pie. It, it's a bit of everything for everyone. So um, it's hard to say no to it. And it's hard to, to sort of criticise it too much. Hi, Stephen, when you were given your summary, um, in a sense, it was kind of reassuring in a way, because it, it sounds really like um, it's an evolution. Um, it's just moving things forward. Um, there's elements there from the past, um, providing support, vital support in some cases, um, but it, it's taken it to the next stage, really. Um, yeah, I mean, that's ultimately what this is doing. So if you think about the timeframes that we've got, so we passed a piece of legislation in 2020 that enabled us to continue the common agricultural policy support the way we're currently getting it, so the status quo, this enables the government to take, to then start making changes to that. Uh, so it can, it can keep its coupled support payments, so it can keep the beef scheme, but make amendments to it, and it can make significant amendments to it. it oh, this, this piece of legislation would also give power to make financial changes, so actually changing budget allocations uh, to schemes. So there's a, there's are important elements within that I think if I've read it rightly uh, that enable the get will give the government a little bit more flexibility and a little more power within this, um, but but it's certainly worth it's certainly worth reading the if anybody is scared of lead, reading a piece of legislation and you know sections and provisions and that you know 
forget that bit and, and, and read the policy the, the policy memoranda. The policy memoranda tells you everything that this is about to do and what they're trying to achieve with this. Uh, and it gives you a really good footing to, uh, in lay terms, understand what this agriculture bill means. Um, one thing you mentioned was that the rural support plan is to be reviewed every five years. Does that mean really starting again? Or is it um, just I, an overview of how things are going? No, I would imagine. Um, so if you think about the climate change plan that we have, there's a requirement. Um, there's a requirement for that to be regularly updated. So um, it's not a it's not wiping the slate clean and starting again. It's an evolution of the government's the government's objectives change over time. And remember, the government's governments do change. So parties change, and this actually just sets you in a in a in a footing that's it's okay. It's every five years. We're used to in the common agricultural policy every seven years, and uh, normally within the common agricultural policy, there was a mid mid program review or midterm review, which led to further significant um, evolutions of the policy. The, this commitment to a five year uh, plan is I think is really useful because it basically makes the government sit down and think what's our current objectives, what are our objectives for the next five years, how are we going to fund that, what are our priorities, and then in five years' time those priorities are likely to evolve, and then we've we've always said and the Scottish government officials have always said this bill enables flexibility, so if things are changing. Uh, and priorities change, then they can refocus. Uh, and I think that's all that this is doing. I, I really do like that provision because I think it sets out, uh, we can all read what the objectives are, what the vision is, and that plan has to be uh, laid before Parliament. So it has to be probably approved by Parliament. Uh, that but I haven't confirmed, I can't remember 100% uh, from my reading of the bill, but I think it will have to be approved by Parliament. The question the farmer question Stephen would be you know when it comes we really farmers are focused here on on the level of support and and money available this bill doesn't cover budgets does it no it can't um so the budget is actually the agriculture budget is only guaranteed to the end of the UK parliament which is next year so there is no guarantee thereafter I mean I've been doing work in Wales government um, and they're working on a on an annual budget uh, scenario at the moment because there is that no there isn't there, there still is no um, multi year multi parliament commitment to agricultural support uh, that we have or we had in the European Union with the multi annual financial framework so that was a seven year um, commitment uh, that 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 crossed over programs. That, that everybody then got a guarantee of, well, as, good, as much of a guarantee as you could, of what that budget would be for, for agriculture and rural development support. Whereas just now, we've got the position that uh, the UK government and the Treasury have got a commitment to uh, maintaining the agricultural support until the end of this parliament. And then we're going to have to go through all of this again and ask, well, what, what, what level of support are you going uh, is, is, is the government going to, to put in situation for agriculture? I know, um, speaking to NFUS colleagues, that they've been, they've been looking at the, the stuff I've produced on the, the, the long-term real uh, agricultural support, which is 
once you take the inflation, the effects of inflation. Now, agricultural support doesn't buy as much as it used to from farmers because the effects of inflation have eroded the support, uh, the support levels. So they've been calling uh, in all of these party conferences, they've been going around and asking for, uh, the, the, basically suggesting that agriculture needs a bigger share of budget uh, in real terms because it's declined and fallen off a cliff face in the last few years with 30% agricultural inflation. As soon as you do that, then the amount of amount of things that the government can buy from a farmer falls by the equivalent amount. Um, else, we're just asking farmers to continually do more uh, for less and less in real terms. Uh, and that's a real risk. I've, I've, said, I've said in numerous places, what some of the biggest risks to the government achieving its objectives from agriculture is that um, that they that some farmers choose not to go into schemes, because if farmers choose not to go into schemes because it's too costly or they think that there's not enough in it for them, i.e., they could do they could maybe uh, produce more milk or more crops or whatever it is uh, on their own without the support and just play the market instead. That means that the government don't have that lever over the producer. The lever then has to come from the private sector. And the private sector is evolving as well. We have to remember that these things called scope three emission reporting uh, is coming down the track. And that that means upstream and downstream uh, reporting of carbon emissions. And ultimately, in the long term, I think biodiversity uh, or nature restoration uh, will come in there too. I think the reality on that one, Stephen, is that the risk is that entire sectors don't engage. You know, the, the dairy one being the prime example that we're, we're now, I think, a very mature sector where people do share information. They, they are in discussion groups. They do make decisions together. And there is the risk. And, and I think the, the government know that and will deal with that. But there is the risk that if, if it's such a small percentage of income and it, there's a cost to getting it, actually why why bother so i think it's a very real risk yeah i i i mean i've said that for a while as well is that uh, of all the sectors that you might see quite a few people doing the, the hard sums and the hard sums are is if i do all of these things i'll have to have maybe fewer cows or it will cost me a little bit of money what does that mean for the farm uh, against what i receive from government support that's really good if you're getting high milk prices if the milk prices start falling, as they are just now, um, then the agricultural support payments become relatively uh, more attractive. So it's a, it's a really difficult position you are in a bullish market where prices are rising and, and you're getting a good return from agriculture. I can see the attraction of let's just go with the market route. But ultimately, the, the cushion, the soft cushion that policy provide um, it's getting less soft. It's getting slightly harder. Uh, it's a firmer p- p- pillow that you're going to have to deliver slightly more for it. If we can design, and it, it's always within the, 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 these measures, what is it we're actually trying to ask farmers to do? If we can design some of these measures that actually are going to help technical efficiency and profitability whilst also delivering against climate uh, and maybe even nature restoration, then it's win-win all round, um, and, and that's the that's the real trick in this is 
let's try and let's try and get our heads together and find out what those win-wins are that that would enable the government to move forward in in its delivery of its outcomes uh, with regards to climate and nature and uh, food production and economy and demography and all of the things that agricultural policy leads into it's also in that one deals with the inevitable slipper farmer active farmer conversation as well that you you tend to in that scenario you tend to put money in the hands of people who are doing positive things and spending them spending the money positively rather than well uh, yeah i mean the eu policy the cap everybody's everybody's given it a bit of a battering but it's evolved significantly and they've tried to they've tried to ensure they further ensure that the money's going to act to farmers this this time round. Within the, the within the bill, there are stuffs about entitlements, uh, about what is agriculture, about the types of crops and stock that uh, it will support. These are all really important factors. Um, whether we have long term entitlements, I don't know. Still, even though it's in the bill, they have to have that provision for entitlements within that. So, so there are those elements, and and without a doubt, without a doubt, we have to redefine activity. And if we don't redefine activity, then we have a real risk that some people in the uplands may never engage in peatland restoration because they are going to have to reduce stock or take stock off. And unless that's included in the activity, then you would, you would, you would lose your LFA support technically if you were doing peatland restoration on a large area and had to reduce your livestock or remove your livestock from that. Um, so we have to make sure that the it, that we're not disincentivizing anybody from engaging in what should be the priority for Scottish government with regards to reducing land-based emissions is, is peatland restoration. It's within our grasp to do that very easily. Well, not easily, but um, once it's restored, it's restored. Uh, whereas actually food production will still have methane emissions, it will still have nitrous oxide emissions, etc. So, so we have to make sure that uh, when we're when the legislative framework comes in and these definitions come in, that we actually we take cognizance of uh, the evolution of what we deem as agricultural activity, and we cannot just belligerently say it has to produce food, because that then runs the risk that certain things don't happen on farms. Nature restoration. We have to have the flexibility to bring it all in and make sure that the money is going perhaps to active farmers that are doing these different agricultural activities. It's all in definitions. And we all have to remember that the government aren't doing this alone. So the government engage with a lot of different groups. Uh, they engage with the, the Agricultural Reform Implementation Oversight Board. They have an academic uh, advisory panel that give them support. They have a, you know, th- there are lots and lots of people inputting. Scotland's a small place in policy terms uh, compared with the EU. Um, so actually ha- getting a voice at the table and making sure that your, your input is heard isn't, isn't overly challenging. And you can see within this bill the evolution of policy thinking to take take account of stakeholders position and i think that will continue uh, there will be elements that people dislike uh, as we move forward there'll be elements that people will support um, and that's just the nature of policy
policy has to make hard choices and there are sometimes very hard choices can i ask a question to to also a wee a wee positive finishing off type question Stevie, Stephen, sorry, Stephen. If call you're me talking, whatever you like. <laughs> I do call you Stevie. We're going with Stephen because that's important. Um, Stephen, if you're you're talking to the an you know an average farmer, see if somebody with an upland farm, a hundred cows, five hundred ewes, would you be really positive about this bill? Is this something that farmers should be quite excited about, or you know? Where do you think it fits with the, the average farming system? Um, I mean, I, I'd be much more excited than if I was living in England and the schemes that they're going through. Um, I mean, this is this is supporting agriculture. We have to remember that, the, as I said at the outset, what are the main principles of this? Agriculture and food are named in three out of the four, four rural communities, the other one. So it, it is about agriculture. Uh, and, you know, agriculture can't expect uh, an infinite budget all the time. So it's about what do we get for that money and what does the taxpayer get for that money? And, uh, you know, it's a it's a little bit of a, of a shake up. Uh, I would say if you're good at what you're doing, you've got nothing really to, to worry about this because um, time and time again, um, in all of the meetings that I attend, it's talking about rewarding best practice, rewarding those that are delivering uh, against Scottish government objectives. If things haven't been going well, then there, there's still a time to take stock and, and look at your system and actually make that evolution uh, that will help deliver against their, their objectives. So it, it won't be a cliff edge. There will be a transition period. We have a farm advisory service. Uh, we have expertise for people to draw on to help on any transition going forward so yeah i remain i remain optimistic for the 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 sector so since brexit and lots of a uh, political changes in the last few years and covid there's been a a big demand for change and a big demand for a policy reform a and certainly i'm really pleased to see this bill coming forward and also pleased to see as as you said Stephen, that there's a lot of positives, a lot of pro-farming stuff in here and a real a real ambition, a real intent from Scottish Government to support productive agriculture in Scotland. So it's a really a real positive and I'm really glad to see it coming forward. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup. We'll see you back here on the 8th of November for our next episode. Make sure you click subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.